This podcast is sponsored by CDO Group, the industry leader providing a full range of construction and project management services. CDO Group has managed thousands of projects in all 50 states. Their group of experts provide systems, processes, and procedures to make sure that your projects turn over on time and on budget every single time. With over 24 years of experience, CDO Group is the industry's leader in construction management and general contracting services. To find them, go to cdogroup.com. Hi, and welcome to the Future of Development podcast. My name's Anthony Montategi, and I'm here to inspire people to find amazing careers in the construction development world. If you like our podcast, please make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really like our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Hi, and welcome to the Future Development Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Montategi, and today I'm joined by Kasha Baraska. She is the director over at Daisy AI. Her group over at BrainPool are changing and creating AI platforms for all kinds of industries. Kasha, welcome to the show. Kasha, welcome to the show. I am... Uh, Excited to have you on today. I, uh, I get a chance to uh, spend a little bit more time with you. We spend time together. It's always fun. Before we get started, let's kind of go backwards a little bit and introduce you, right? Uh, and introduce a little bit of your background uh, to kind of tell the audience about you. Sure. Thank you, Anthony. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so my name is Kasia Borowska, and I'm Managing Director at a company called BrainPool AI, uh, which essentially is a global network of top-level artificial intelligence and machine learning experts. What we do is we try to apply the latest AI research to solve some of the most pressing business challenges. And recently, in the past three years or so, we started focusing on construction specifically, so applying AI to construction. We know that construction is one of the slowest adopters of artificial intelligence technologies, and that's where we come in. Hopefully, we'll solve that problem soon. You know, I, I think that uh, any time that we look at construction and, for, you know, for for thousands of years, we have built the same way. We've taken heavy things from over here and we drag them over here. We bang on them for a little bit and then we, uh, you know, we, we, we pile them up to, together and we make things. So uh, now today, uh, as AI starts to come into place, as the project management tools and processes come into place and we start to apply, uh, the, taking this lagging industry called construction and start to really apply uh, these new ideas uh, where are you guys starting to see some of the openings? What are you seeing that uh, really is the greatest opportunities in the development of AI? So, I mean, you can call it an opportunity. I see it more as a necessity, and really the necessity comes from our growing population. So, you know, the population is doubling again. Uh, it's doubled uh, during the 70s, 80s, um, when we had to digitalize everything in order to be able to automate and make our process more efficient. Now again, uh, the population is doubling and uh, we just need to automate those inefficient processes. Otherwise, uh, the, uh, our environment won't, won't be able to sustain it. Uh, so really most of the applications of machine learning and AI are towards making the process more efficient and making sure that uh, they're automated as much as physically possible. You know, when we talk about the uh, population growing, you know, I think a lot of times people don't understand what we mean by that. You know, the the growth of the population to date, as we watched it grow year over year, and you know, some of the things that we're noticing is that you know, people are you know, when I was when I was young, uh, you know, men lived into their early mid sixties. You know, now they're starting to you know that that uh, life expectation is growing, and you know, now that my 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 kids' kids, they're expecting to live into uh, you know their early hundreds. You know, and just in that alone, 
we'll double the population right there, right? I mean, so just to start to think about where we are as a world and all of the parts and pieces that we need to operate the world, now we double the number of people on the planet uh, and how does that affect our ability to, to uh, be efficient and, and our ability to uh, produce the products and, and the needs that we have or fulfill the needs that we have? Absolutely, and you know, every one of these people uh, that uh, age and also every every new member of uh, our planet or our population needs to have a shelter and so in terms of residential construction at least more and more houses have to be built so uh, automation is a necessity to sustain that growth. It's amazing, the staggering when you look at the numbers across the world. Uh, you know, you certainly can see uh, the products that we're seeing coming out today. You know, I, we had a podcast the other day with a group that's printing a house every 40 hours, right? So essentially every two days they print another house, right? So it, the ability to do that and with products that are a lot more sustainable and energy efficient, the techniques and the methods they're using to do that are, are phenomenal. And, and for that, I, th I think it's a lot of fun. It's exciting, right? And uh, sometimes I think it's overwhelming, right? As we, as we look at these changes and we start to adapt them and, you know, apply them to current codes and all the stuff that uh, gets affected. No, absolutely. And obviously, you know, with, uh, with the growth uh, in demand, uh, we need to grow the supply. And we know that construction is struggling with a huge workforce shortage. So in the UK, I think there's an estimated one construction worker being hired every 77 seconds. Right. So there is just there isn't enough people to build homes. And so things like printed houses is definitely one way. Uh, and another way would be robotics and using AI to automate some of those manual time-consuming processes. Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. You know, and we've stolen a lot of people from the uh, from the restaurant world. You know, I, I've got uh, restaurant tours <laughs> I've interviewed and they're all mad at us in construction because, you know, a lot of the guys that were in the restaurants during COVID left and said, well, they'll try out construction because we kept operating during during COVID. And uh, it was, a, a, you know, a, a necessary, uh, 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 you know, sector of the market. And a lot of them said, wait a minute, I can make more money per hour and I don't have the stress of working in a restaurant. And we've, we've, you know, we've picked up a lot of those, uh, a lot of those people that were in restaurants today. Uh, and as we continue to do that, and the sector grows, and the need to grow faster, to develop faster, uh, how are you seeing uh, that being impacted? Where, where are you seeing the opportunities to impact that? Well, to be honest, I really hope that the direction in which we're going is to get AI to align its goals to really support humans, human workers. Uh, and so the AI will take on most of the manual, repetitive and time-consuming tasks to allow people to focus on the creative tasks and on the things that matter to them the most. So really there is no need for humans to be performing the repetitive tasks. Most of that uh, can, can now be done by uh, robotics, by AI systems. So really th there has to be this partnership formed between AI and humans and I think we're still quite far from achieving that goal because at the moment it's all a little bit scattered and there isn't enough um, organi organization or uh, regulations applied to AI uh, companies as well as corporations to ensure that that co collaboration exists smoothly. Yeah, for sure. There's always this worry like, oh my God, is the AI going to take over my job and what am I going to do? Am I going to, you know, am I going to be unemployed and stuck out? Am I going to be the guy sleeping on the park bench because AI just took over my, my, my job? And, you know, for sure, as I speak to people that are in the AI world uh, across the industry, I'm noticing it's really more of, 
you know, the steps as we grow AI, first of all, the, the amount of data it needs in order for it to actually work is still in de development, right? And as we're, as we're inputting that data to really create the, you know, the, the information that AI needs to be able to, you know, really be effective, uh, there is a, a large, uh, a, we have some time right now, we have some time to integrate that, that information and start to put together some of those rules. And I know that uh, people are starting to look at, all right, how are we gonna, what kind of rules will we set around this? How are we gonna make sure that AI and, and, and how are we and AI gonna coexist uh, well together? It's certainly coming, right? It's certainly coming at us. And how do we make sure that I don't become insignificant, right? I mean, that's ultimately what I'm worried about is, is the human race gonna become insignificant? Are we, are we gonna become some sort of zoo where they they kind of watch us as a, as a you know, a, 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 a primitive species uh, type of thing. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's one of the theories. It's definitely possible if we keep on going the way we are <laughs> going now. So it's this whole value alignment problem. Right? Not, not enough work is being done in the area of AI ethics to make sure that the artificial intelligence systems we're building are aligned with our goals. So you know, there are many famous examples, but if you think of, uh, I think it's Elon Musk's example, if you tell AI to get rid of all the spam emails in the world, right? What's the easiest way for it to do it? It's just to kill all the people and there won't be any spam because there won't be any email. <laughs> right? So you need to make sure that the, the goals are aligned. Because if you don't set the goals right, then the AI is going to do directly what it's told to do. And so definitely a lot more work needs to go into regulating AI uh, and making sure that there is full transparency on how the AI systems are working. And for that, we really need top-level researchers and academics that understand the underlying maths behind the AI algorithms. Yeah, I certainly see that uh, we are lining up, uh, you know, the, 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 the lineup is that AI becomes this assistant, right? As we start to look at my day and become, you know, taking away those repetitive tasks, one, uh, you know, I, th I think I heard someone say just recently, if, if AI takes over your job, it probably was a pretty repetitive job. Or if a robot takes over your job, it you know, it, you probably had a really crappy job, right? It was probably something that was very repetitive, very stag st static. You know, today where we are with technology, it's going to take a minute before we can, you know, advance past the very repetitive static type of a job. Absolutely, and you know, it's not the first time it's happening, it's the fourth time it's happening. This is called the fourth industrial revolution. We've already been through three of them, and the last one, the whole digitalization, it actually created way more jobs than it took, right? All the digital marketing, all of the digital uh, jobs that were created in the past 20, 30 years. Uh, people just couldn't imagine them when the digitalization started to happen because they just, you know, it, none of it existed. So there wouldn't be a job such as search engine optimization specialist because there was no search engines, right? So we don't know what kind of jobs will be created. Uh, and so I think this is really what the focus should be to look into the future in terms of what are the creative jobs that uh, will that the humans will be able to perform once AI takes on the, the manual repetitive tasks. No, for sure. You know, at one point they answered phones, you know, Chicago 555 and they had a little, and, and then they had, you know, the, the, you know, answered phones with the, this, and then they, you know, had that one in the house and then, you know, the digital one, and then they had the, you know, the, and somewhere people have had, you know, we've actually created a lot more jobs than ever before. And, 
And I think that's the thing that's so hard to see is that, uh, you know, as this technology develops, the opportunities that come with it are so much greater, right? The, the development of new ideas, uh, the new uh, places that we can go are so, first of all, we are able to do them so much faster, right? You and I doing this podcast uh, 25 years ago would have taken us a million dollars to broadcast between two different studios, cameras, setup, uh, 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 you know, being able to get satellite feed back and forth to each other. You know, today you and I have, you know, I, well, maybe I've got a nice camera in here and, you know, we got a couple sets of headphones and, and a microphone and all of a sudden, boom, we're broadcasting. And, you know, being able to create this is happening so much faster. And, and I think that's happening throughout uh, all the ideas and opportunities is that uh, technology certainly makes the idea and then organizing it and developing it happen much, much faster than ever before. Absolutely. And, you know, it's uh, not just on Earth, but hopefully soon we're going to be able to communicate with uh, other planets, uh, you know, if space, SpaceX missions succeed, then hopefully, you know, we can actually expand our reach uh, and also communicate uh, with habitants of, of planets, uh, in other planets in our solar system, which is kind of what I'm quite looking forward to seeing. As we start to look at the integration of AI, of, of AI right, and as we look at uh, augmenting ourselves, you know, today, I'm, you know, I'm sort of here, I'm already an augmented human being. I, I've got a pair of glasses on that augments mm -hmm. my, my vision. I carry a cell phone, which now I, you know, I, I know anything I want to know, I can know in, in minutes. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, as we get more and more augmented and, you know, those, you know, we can see technology being embedded in us. I often joke, uh, you know, here, if, if, if I were to say to you, all right, Kasha, if I could implant this in you and for, here, for $500,000, I'm going to implant this in you. And when I implant this in you, you will now know everything there. You'll, you'll now know um, uh, three different languages or even better. You can have the one with languages or you, here, Kasha, for 500 grand, I'm going to put this in your body and you'll never get sick again. In fact, it'll be able to monitor all your health systems 24 hours a day, seven days a week at any given time. You'll never die from a medical issue. I'll be able to monitor your body, tell you what kind of supplements, what kind of uh, enzymes you need. What, what are the things you're going to need to make sure that your body maintains perfect health? It's $500,000. And by the way, you don't have to pay me all at one time. You can make payments. But if you don't make the payments, I got to turn it off for a little bit. What's your thoughts? Well, who made it? Oh, all right. now, 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 <laughs> I'm not now, getting anything in, but I know how it's made. <laughs> now, now, I've tested it out and I got it perfect. I got this thing down to a science. For sure, it's great. I put it in 100,000 test people and they've all loved it and it's doing great and they're all doing healthy and they're living longer and they're living better, but it's only $500,000 and you make payments on it per month. And as long as you do that, uh, you'll, all, you'll never, ever be sick, Hasha. You're never. Mm -hmm. No, I mean, you know, it's super interesting. And I think you pointed out quite uh, quite accurately that we're already cyborgs in many ways, but at the moment, most of it is external, right? So it's you know, external limbs or phone. Or, or when it comes to implants, and especially those changes to your body that are irreversible, you know, I think we are quite far away from, from getting that because long-term effects can only be measured by long-term testing. Right. Um, so I, I think we should definitely do, you know, a few more tests before we start right, advertising the way you just have to me. All right, so, so now here, I'm going to go another step, right? For $700,000, you get, uh -huh. I implant this in you, you get all of the benefits of health. You never, ever get sick, and you learn three languages. At any, at any given time, you can speak any three languages you want, $700,000. You don't have to pay me all at one time, but 
you got to put this in and you got to make payments for the rest of your life. Is that going to, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, also who else is going to get it? You know, there's just so much, so many unanswered questions. It's same same thing goes with the, the gen genetically modified uh, DNA. You know, why would richer uh, part of the society have access to now be able to speak more languages than the poor part now, of the society? Now, something now, there I fundamentally disagree with. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Got, got it. Disagree or not disagree? Listen, for a million dollars, you're going to plant this, right? For a million dollars, Kasha, here's what you get. Watch, watch what I'm going to throw in there. You get to have all the health benefits. Mm -hmm. Now you get every single language on the planet. No matter what language it is, you get right. every single language. You speak all of them. And for a million dollars, I throw in all the information on the internet. It's a million well, bucks. No, and, I think and, and actually, the, the higher you go with the pricing, the, the, the more uh, skeptical I get <laughs> towards it. I think everyone <laughs> should have the same opportunity to learn your languages. And you know, the, if you only give these opportunities to the rich, then the, the, that gap between the rich and the poor is just going to get worse. Uh, so or any solutions that they are going to that direction, I'm very much against. All right, so now, here's what you gotta remember. If I if, if you don't put this in you now you got to compete with me and by the way Eric over here and, and and Nina they all got it so now the three of us have it and you don't have it and by the way you don't have to pay me at first if you're poor you can make payments you know you might just start you push your payments out until you know you get to age ten but but if you don't get this Kasha me and my family we got these and now you got to compete with us well tough luck I just need to learn more. <laughs> My language and, is and, and that's where I that's and that to me seems like the biggest fear is that we yeah. start to look at all right the cost of these things as as technology goes and there are people with opportunity uh, with the funds and the capacities to to have access to those technologies you know the first adopters uh, maybe not the not scariest thing but there certainly will be a gap that gets created much uh, very quickly you know and 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 the AI technology the problem with that is that that gap will happen so fast. Uh, I don't know if we'll have that ability if, if the bottom uh, trend uh, setters, you know, the bottom uh, trend will be able to catch up to it at any given point. And I think that to me seems like one of the things we've really got to look at, right? As a society, if we, if that gap goes too fast, uh, too, too quickly, and we're not looking at it across the board, now what have we done to uh, the, the, the gap between the haves and have nots? And what does that do to us as an overall group? You know, are there the the big brain people and the you know the the the, the, the originals, and then there's the the you know modifies and you know, what kind of social uh, um, you know stigmas will come come along with that and uh, how all that uh, play out? I think uh, certainly is a movie waiting to happen, right? Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm glad uh, you kind of uh, you talk about these kind of topics because it's important to talk about it. I mean, that access to education is already so uneven across different uh, economical groups. So you're right that with introduction of tools like artificial intelligence, that problem will just exponentially grow, or, uh, and it may actually get out of hand if we don't act on it soon. So out. I'd be very keen to you know, start having these kind of conversations with the regulatory bodies uh, that will actually influence um, the development and access to these AI machine learning tools. tools. You know, I, I certainly feel like 
in education is probably one of the spaces where uh, opportunity is the greatest for AI, right? I mean, I know me, I, look, I never graduated college. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a self-made man. I, I started CDO, CDO Group, the, the construction company that I own. I've owned for 25 years. That was my PhD, right? That's where I learned. That's where I cut my teeth. That's where I learned everything, the, the growing humans and business and all the stuff that comes along with that was my college. When I sat at a desk as a student, it made no sense to me. The way that they taught me did not work for me, but I was forced to go into public school and I was forced to learn like everybody else did in a system that didn't work for me. And I felt awkward the entire time. I, I know as, as a little boy, mm -hmm. I would often sit there in class and wonder why they all got it and I didn't. And I felt like there was something wrong. And all I realized was <laughs> I didn't learn that way, right? I, I didn't w learn the way the masses did, but they weren't gonna stop and adapt for me. Now, there were a couple of great teachers out there who, who did, who took their time and spent time with me and really helped me develop as a young man and probably am, uh, you know, Mrs. Edwards is one of my first grades where, where she literally took me aside and realized the school bus was running me over. And all she needed to do was sit down, or Milt Stringer, who was my math teacher in, in sixth grade, who, who taught me uh, math through scuba diving, right? As soon as I found that adaption, oh my God, it all made sense. You know, pressures and levels. And, and he really changed my world uh, when he introduced me to scuba diving. And I would not have gotten that had someone not been able to see that. Where I think AI can start to learn the human being and adapt to learning and learning will happen a lot different than it ever will you know, today. Today we, we go to school for this many years, now we go out and try to educate the world. Somewhere I believe AI will be a continual learning process. Uh, we'll learn a lot more, a lot faster, but the AI platforms will be able to give us the ability to adapt to us, right? To the way we learn best, the way Kasha, Kasha she works great. Uh, she works, she, she listens and hears stories and loves stories. Anthony, he loves history and lessons. and whatever those are, right? Uh, physical, physical learning, uh, as opposed to uh, memorized learning, you know, those, th those abilities will, I think will change. And I think AI really gives us that uh, uh, joy for, uh, as an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the, the shift in education definitely needs to happen. I completely get your pain because I studied mathematics and then cognitive science. So I had no idea how to apply any of that knowledge in real life because they just don't teach you that at uni. Uh, you know, when you learn all the formulas, great, but then so what? Um, so I think definitely there is more work that needs to be done um, in helping children understand how all of this knowledge can be useful. Uh, and like you said, rather than memorizing, to teach them that strategic way of thinking and a creative way of thinking that, you know, AI can potentially help with. That was, that was one of the ones that really messed me up, I think, the most was that no one ever taught me how to learn. Right? They all expected me to sit down and, and, and memorize all this stuff. And, and somehow or another, I was, I was like, already, I, I didn't know how to learn yet. Right? And, and you know, as I start to look at AI and the speed by which the information is going to come at us as things go this, so much faster, right? As BIM modeling has changed, because uh, right, the number one change we've seen in the last uh, 10 years is really this BIM modeling and watching that data set really start to move the, uh, the, you know, the abilities to do what we're going to do in construction. Uh, you know, the things that we'll be able to do, the speed by which we'll develop, you know, you could see very quickly how uh, the construction worker of the future 
will have to be, will be on a continuous learning basis. You know, uh, you know, when my father uh, and I first started doing construction work when I was young, we I remember the first house we bought a house and we did a flip on a house, right? Or we didn't flip it; we we bought it and rented it out, and we bought the house for nine hundred dollars, and it had been on fire. Right, the house had, we bought the house for nine hundred dollars, and there was a fire in the living room. So we bought a house that had a fire in it, and there was a hole in the middle of the living room. Right, there was a big giant hole in the middle, and you know we got there and we had bought and my parents had bought the house for nine hundred bucks. It was across the street from my mother's house, and we, we bought the we bought the house, and then we were sitting there looking. We got to fix this roof, and neither one of us had ever fixed a roof before. So we go down to the local hardware store and we sat down with the guy and he taught us how to build a roof and he and he showed us and he said, look, here's how it's built and. And the two of us were really smart and we just kind of took it apart together and we could learn from it. And we had some time to do that. And the, by the way, the first repair we did didn't work. We had to fix it several times, but in that process we learned. And as we look at AI, I believe that the construction worker of the future will have to, will learn as they operate, right? In their day-to-day -day business, in the TV shows they watch. Uh, you know, if tomorrow uh, uh, Bob and Betty are doing plumbing work on a, on a high rise and they have a new piece of equipment coming in, somewhere in the TV show they watch tonight or somewhere in the, uh, in, in the information they have throughout their, their journey to that job site, they're gonna learn the name of the product, how it gets adapted, how they operate it. Uh, I believe that AI will be able to adapt to the day that they're having, as opposed to me having to go find the information, memorize it, and then mm -hmm. having to you know, uh, uh, do all this stuff. It, I, I believe AI will be able to really adapt uh, to that, um, that scenario and, and help us understand the, the equipment, how to operate it, uh, how, to, how, to, how to make sure we use it as you know, best practices with it, which will give us you know, a, a much broader base as a, as a plumber uh, gives a much broader base of, of techniques that we can work on rather than I've got a sweat pipe with, with copper and, and, and uh, flux and, you know, or, or, or PEX or whatever they're using today. I'll be able to pick from products from around the world and based on availability and uh, environmental, uh, you know, uh, how it impacts the, the environment better, uh, you know, those opportunities that we weren't able to pick from before. I believe in the past we've had much, much, uh, you know, architects have been, or designers have been very static with their, they, they do one thing all the time consistently because that's the products they knew, they know. And, and by the way, that's also the way codes operate. So uh, mm -hmm. they're afraid to try new products out. No, absolutely. I think you pointed out an interesting uh, thing there that, that there's really a beautiful partnership between humans and AI. It's, AI needs to learn based on the knowledge that's being fed into it by humans. So the data, right? The essentially, data needs to be produced and labeled by humans through previous operations. And that's how AI systems can learn and improve. But then, uh, in turn, AI, once it already exists and, um, uh, and works well, can then help humans to actually uh, transfer that knowledge from one uh, team to another and to make sure that there's a continuous increase in the knowledge and information uh, and capabilities that are being gained by any given type of worker 
or ask be it architect or designer or engineer or anyone else in the construction sector. For, for sure, I feel like we are fish in a fish tank when we talk about uh, construction knowledge. You know, I feel like, you know, we I can't tell you how many times we go through the exact same mistake on this project as we do on the next project. And, and we're like, for sure, this time we, we will not do that again. So look, we're going to write processes and procedures and we're going to put a book of knowledge together. We're going to have all this information. And it's like fish mm -hmm. in a fish tank. Oh, look, bubbles. And then we go back around and like, Oh, oh, look, bubbles again. Oh, again. <laughs> <laughs> and we do this game. Yeah, no, and, and we don't transfer that data uh, properly. Mm -hmm. And it, it feels a little bit like we have amnesia. And we, we get to at the end of a project and all that data that's collected, knowledge that's gained gets, you know, like, you know, oh, we're done, run. And we leave the books behind that we wrote all the things that we're smart down on. And uh, I, th I think AI and those tools will be able to translate that and then make them available and accessible because you're like, where did I put that notebook I need for the information on week seven of the next project I do? Uh, you know, being able to get that to a point where uh, as, it, uh, as we need it, it'll be available uh, right in front of us at, this, at the time we need it instead of us having to spend hours hunting for it. You know, that's, that's the problem with my house here is that uh, I, I, do, I do work around the house, but it takes me more time to go find the screwdrivers I need than the work I've got to do. So I do a lot less work and I, I feel like that's, uh, you know, that's, that's one of my flaws around here is, is finding the things yeah. and the information I need uh, to do the projects that we're doing. Yeah, unfortunately our individual processing power is much lower than the supercomputers that exist. <laughs> so I agree with you that, that we can definitely leverage the, the computing power of the AI systems to help us with those you know, small tasks like remembering where things are. So, so talk to me a little bit about what is inspiring you. Like right now, as you look forward, uh, where you're going at with your career, with the, with the work that you're doing, uh, you, know, you certainly, it's, it's, you inspire me. Uh, what's, what's inspiring you? What, what's the work that you're working on uh, that uh, you're looking at that uh, you're most inspired by? I'm really inspired about, uh, in making a difference by applying the new technologies to sectors that not yet been explored. Uh, by AI machine learning. So construction, you know, it's, there's so many inefficiencies there, so many things that can be done better uh, by simply applying, you know, quite simple um, algorithms and techniques that are broadly being used. So as an example, what we recently did is uh, we built a, a company called Daisy AI, which is applying artificial intelligence in timber design. So it's actually a crazy problem that there is about 20 to 30 percent of timber being wasted uh, by the construction sector and unfortunately the easiest way to get rid of timber on the construction site, the timber that you don't need, is to burn it. Right? So first all of that wood is being transported on the construction site and then a lot of it is being burned at the site just because we're not able to measure it accurately or we're not able to actually uh, figure out what kind of components we're going to need ahead of the time. Uh, so DAISY applies genetic programming which is actually an area of research that's been around for years probably any 30 years in academia, but obviously you know, the construction sector have not had access to it yet. So we are the first ones to combine the world of academics and so PhD level researchers in genetic programming with the world of timber engineers and manufacturers. Uh, and so DAISY is the first tool that um, figures out how to uh, produce timber flow layouts automatically with a push of a button. So rather than uh, the engineer having to spend two to three hours trying to figure out how joists and beams have to be structured uh, around the floor, which often results in suboptimal designs, 
Daisy does it automatically in under 10 minutes, so the click of a button. And flow is just the beginning. We're going to apply it to walls, roofs, stairs, and hopefully in the future be able to build a full timber house design um, with a click of one button. So it, it takes both the uh, uh, the design and uh, so in other, instead of an engineer sitting down, uh, you know, a designer designs a, a, a building and, and an engineer sitting down going, all right, you've got this two by four, you know, I've got this span, uh, a 20 foot uh, a room, and I've got to span this and now I've got to look for the products or, or the timbers I need to do that. The, the AI is doing that for it automatically? Exactly. So it's genetic programming. So um, just, I guess, to give you a bit of background how it works. So we started with a population of badly designed agents. It actually applies the same principles as evolutionary search, the same as human evolution worked. We started with a you know, population of badly designed humans, or maybe you know, the previous uh, species. And then slowly and slowly, we get a better and better. We get a better and better outcome. So over, say, 50, 100 generations, uh, that flow design becomes more and more optimal until the system converges, which is when we know we found the absolute most optimal solution. Uh, and the most optimal uh, in our case can either mean uh, the minimizing the total cost of construction or minimizing the total waste uh, or performance of, of a particular flow. So that really the goals and objectives can be set by the person that's using our system. So now, so are you, so you put in these parameters. Let me, let me make sure I get the understanding of this. So I look at a, uh, a space, an area, a, a footprint. Let's say it's, it's a, uh, let's just for a second use a 5,000 square foot house. I've got uh, to put on a 7,000 square foot piece of property. And I want to put four bedrooms in there. And I want to be able to put this many inhabitants in there. Is, 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 is that the type of stuff you're putting there? Or are you, are you laying out the rooms and it's, it's, it's making the members to make that uh, light? Help, help me out how far it goes in the design work. We specialize in timber specifically, so sure. it's, it's producing the timber flow layout. So if you think about the joists and beams, the structure is quite complex. There's about 50,000 possibilities in which joists can be structured around a sim simple rectangular shaped floor. If you think about your stairs openings, your internal walls, your uh, windows, your uh, stairs and everything else. Uh, so. That takes a long time to actually figure out, you know, what is the most optimal way in which this should be structured. So it's really a structure engineering problem that our system is solving. Got it. So it it uh, uh, takes it takes the uh, layout that you've created, and now maximizes the uh, the the design uh, uh, components for it. The the joists, the the wall the wall the wall components and takes mm -hmm. uh, from existing stock. So in other words, does it take, uh, here's 20 foot uh, uh, piece of two by four, figures out how to optimize each piece of that uh, in, in a pallet to make the product you wanna make? That's it, that's exactly right. So you, you input an empty flow layout, and after 10 minutes as an output, you get a full production ready timber flow design. Fine. Wow, wow. I mean, I mean, because yeah, it's, it's quite impressive. Yeah, today that process takes hours. I mean, right for an engineer to sit down <laughs> with slide rules and they're all their little tools and techniques they get for doing that, or not slide rules. That's me. Uh, but by the time they're done, you know, taking their joists and their si so they have to go through and uh, you know, this is doing it automatically then. Absolutely. So that process can take uh, you know two to three hours is an average, but it could take much longer for the more complex shapes. And it's not just the design part. Actually, what I realized throughout this whole uh, process of working with the timber construction industry is that 
they actually send each other uh, designs via fax machines, so <laughs> or you know, uh, print PDFs, and they try to compare the digital versions of printed PDFs. And the whole process can actually take about two weeks uh, to get one single floor designed. Uh, because, you know, they can't fit the file sizes, they're too big and Revit files over emails and they have to use some other. So we have built, you know, a cloud-based platform, so Daisy is all in the cloud, so everyone has access to the same view, everyone can just log in and see the same plan in real time being changed, uh, and there's no need for fax machines anymore. No, that's, 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 <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are people still with, you know, <laughs> fax machines that are in our business and I, I think to myself okay are you are you still carrying a club and you know or <laughs> you live in a game pager. right a pager that's right right let's go back to having a pager I, you know uh nina's over here going what's a pager she hasn't she, she has, she's never seen a pager uh, i uh you know uh, it, it's yeah, it's, it's funny. funny how uh uh, we have changed, you know, I, I carried a pager for, th you know, for years. I, at, at one point I had two of them, you know, I, yeah, on my hip, this pagers were these little, you know what a pager is? It's like a little thing that sits on your hip that beeps. And whenever <laughs> someone needs you, it would like send you a, a beep. And then you could look on, you could look on the screen and it would tell you a phone number and you had to go find a pay phone. And you ran around in your car and you had to have quarters, what right? You know what a payphone is? I should, I'm not, uh, do you know what a payphone is? So you had to run to a corner, you find a corner, and you had to throw quarters in there, and you had to call and say, hey, I, you just paged me, what's going on? And it'd be like your mom going, oh, I just need some milk. And you're like, oh my God, I just <laughs> left a job site, ran out of, my mom needed some milk. And you Eight know, hours later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then he started getting some really funny codes. Then he started being able to get like 411, and then <clears throat> you could use numbers to put, you know, 911 was important, or you could put love if you did it kind of back, seven, upside. You know, there was a bunch of things we did. So um, that being said, uh, uh, we are, uh, you know, we've covered a lot of topics, and as we look at um, uh, Daisy and how amazing this product is, I, I get so excited about, this is really revolutionizing the way that we look at lumber. Um, how does that become an integrated uh, integrated uh, system from, you know, from the time that the designers designed the house all the way through to the manufacturing and delivery and then actually the project management portion of that? That's a great question because obviously if you if you build an AI tool, you need to make sure that people will actually use it and it integrates with the existing <coughs> tools that they use. So we are part of the Autodesk residency program. Uh, so Autodesk you know, is, has tools such as AutoCAD and Revit that are used by most of the architects and uh, structure engineers. So Daisy actually has a plugin uh, that speaks to Revit. So if you're a Revit user, you can immediately download your plan in a format that, accept, that Daisy accepts and then uh, get the AI tool uh, integrated into your existing tools. So it's actually quite easy for any instructor engineer to, to use Daisy. Uh, you know, that, that's, that's an amazing, uh, uh, you, you know, making ease of use ease of use and accessibility uh, is, is that that's the key to it, right? Uh, uh, being able to have that uh, at, at the ready and then knowledge that it's there to use. Uh, I think that makes it, uh, you know, but smarter and smarter and easier and easier and more, more of a, a protocol than, uh, uh, you know, just the several uh, people that are creative that, you know, now everybody has access to it. You know, we, we find that being one of the most important, as equally as important as the technology we build is 
uh, is, is the aspect of making accessible and easy to use for our, our clients. Well, I got to tell you, I love our conversations. You know, every time that uh, we get together, uh, it's fun. Uh, I look forward to as, as, as Daisy continues to develop and your group uh, does more and more uh, impact in the construction industry. I'm excited to uh, present those opportunities uh, out to the world and tell the world about it. So please keep us uh, informed. Uh, make sure that uh, I'd, I'd love to come spend more time uh, with your group. And uh, I'm, I'm just one, I'm, I'm grateful, grateful that you take time out of your busy day uh, to spend with us and uh, tell you, tell us about these amazing projects. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Great. Uh, we'll look forward to having you on again. Thank you. Look forward to it. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montegi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry. Finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.